Hi, welcome to the Covenant Presbyterian Church podcast, a weekly broadcast of our Sunday sermon. Covenant Presbyterian Church is an open, affirming congregation, and we're so glad you found us. Our primary mission is to equip God's people to serve Christ in the world. In our weekly messages, we hope that you'll find inspiration, encouragement, and even challenge for your faith journey. Please listen with us now. As Christians, we get at the gut level that Judas is the bad guy. We learned it in Sunday school. We probably drew a picture of Judas weeping or looking concerned. Judas was tempted by the devil and he betrayed Jesus Christ. So we think we know Judas and we dismiss him. We decide we can't relate to him and we try to move on. But today's passage from Matthew reminds us that there's more to learn here about Judas. We don't know exactly what was going through his head, that when you read all four of the Gospels together, you get more of a picture of the man. But still, we have to wonder. We have to fill in the blanks a little bit. And scholars throughout the centuries have done that and wondered, and I wonder too. Did it go something like this? The first time Judas heard the voice of the tempter was in the temple. It was after Jesus had turned the tables on the money changers and Judas turned to Peter and said, that's what we need. More miracles, more signs, more Jews. I'm tired of all this Jesus talk. I mean, if he has all this power, and he says he does, and we've seen the healings, he's got to use it. Take down the Romans, tear out the Sanhedrin, help the poor people. And that's the first time he heard it. The voice said, maybe you could do more. Maybe you, Judas, could do more. It was the first time Judas had heard the voice, but it wasn't the first time Jesus, Judas had complained about Jesus. More than once, he'd remarked to the disciples, power and glory are for a purpose, not just a promise. When they came to Jerusalem for that last time, almost as soon as they walked through the high city gates, Judas turned to the others and brought up the glacial pace of Jesus' timing. But even with the crowds waving palms and shouting, save us, those guys didn't get it. They wondered who would be the best when the kingdom came, not what do we do to make the kingdom happen. But Judas had ideas. Judas had a vision, a plan, and he had skills. He was good with money and in charge of the common purse. Jesus had entrusted things to him. And then he heard the voice again. The tempter, the deceiver said, Judas, maybe you don't need them. Maybe you could do more than him. Maybe you've got this on your own. That was the second time. And later that week, one evening at dinner, a woman came into the room 
Mary, and she brought out an alabaster jar of the most expensive perfume. And just as Judas was wondering, A, where she got it, and could they return it and use the money to solve some of these poor problems, or B, did she steal it? And if so, didn't she know the authorities were already breathing down their necks? Judas strode briskly over to her to turn this thing around and smash. She crushed the whole jar and began to pour the perfume over Jesus' feet. He'd already been washed when he walked in the door. His clothes cost nothing. His haircuts were free. He ate what was gathered. He rode in on a borrowed colt. But now, hundreds of denarii seeped between his toes? No, Judas yelled. This money, it could have been given to the poor. Well, he wouldn't forget what Jesus said next. Leave her alone. You will always have the poor with you, but you will not always have me. When Judas turned away in disgust, he heard the adversary say, You, you could do more than him. And this time, Judas replied, You are right. Judas, the Iscariot, one of the 12 disciples called by Jesus to cast out demons in Jesus' name, had his own to wrestle with. As I mentioned, scripture doesn't say much about Judas, but it says he was smart, he was good with money, he was entrusted with a common purse, he was a part of the disciples of the community, and we know that he cared for the poor. And this coming week, this holy week, he takes center stage. A major character to move this plot along. But it's still not overly developed. We don't know how he approached that night, how he was tempted, what he was thinking. We don't know when he gathered with his friends around the table for that last supper, whether he was proud of his choice or whether he was too nervous to eat. We don't know, but we wonder. Later again, that same holy week, when the adversary came to Judas again, he said, why don't you go to the temple guard and make a deal? You know, they've been looking for Jesus. Why don't you trade his location for a good price and the price, of course, is to be used for the good of the kingdom. Well, when the devil said that, Judas did take a pause. He said to himself, I can't do that. I'm angry, but I know Jesus loves me. Maybe his timing's off and his parable's confusing, but this is my family. They held me when my friend died. They fed me when I was sick. Jesus prays for me. And he tells the funniest jokes and we laugh and we laugh. But Judas, for by now he and Satan were on a first name basis. You know the guards are coming for him anyway. They aren't going to hurt him. The crowd still loves him. 
They wouldn't stand for their king to be hurt. They'll just take him in for questioning, I'm sure. And they could use some answers. So listen, if it's going to happen anyway, why don't you try to get something out of it? And you know, I mean, not for you, something for the kingdom. I don't know, Satan. You know, I do know that I'm not supposed to trust you. Then don't trust me. Trust what you would do for the poor with all that extra money. If Jesus is God's son, and how many times does he say he is? It's exhausting. God will send angels to protect him before he falls and hits the ground. Something about that phrase rang a warning bell for Judas. Something he remembered Jesus saying about his 40 days in the desert. But Judas, his defenses were down. The tempter's voice didn't come back to dialogue with Judas. The tempter didn't need to. Judas had fallen in the plan. It was easy enough for Judas to find the guards and exact what he thought was a good price. And that night at dinner, after they had eaten and drunk their fill, Jesus washed their feet. He said, this bread and this cup given for you, Judas. And Judas chewed slowly the unleavened loaf dipped in wine of Jesus making. Why are they staring at me? Maybe it's the wine, Judas thought. What did Jesus say? Go quickly to betray? I've got to get out of here. And Judas excused himself. He paused outside the door to clear his head, and he heard Jesus start in on what the disciples jokingly called the teaching segment of the evening. Jesus often told stories after they ate. And in the haze of the food and wine, they would wander together the ways of the world, hearing of vineyards, pig farmers, widow women in worship, seeds that fall on bad soil and seeds that fall on good. Judas's favorite story, the ones about the lost sheep and the lost coin, the shepherd who leaves his flock to find the one who sets out into the night, and the woman who sweeps her entire house to search for that one coin that fell. That night as Judas left the upper room, he wondered, was God still searching for the tempter? That one angel who fell? As if on cue, the accuser's voice again, Judas, the temple guards, go. You have to tell them where Jesus is. They've got the money ready for you to do good things with. Oh, that's right, said Judas, and he drug his feet into the darkness on the way to the Mount of Olives. By the way, Satan, I'm just wondering about that story that Jesus tells of looking really hard for the fallen coin. 
Jesus, he, he doesn't stop looking. And they say there's a party when the lost return. I'm wondering if you know, since you've been fallen for a while, will God still look for us? With that, Judas had made it to the mountain clearing of Gethsemane. And ahead, he saw the temple guards. The weight of what he was bound to do hit him. And he wept in the garden. No longer seeking comfort from the devil, he sobbed as if to himself, where have I gone? Can God still find me? What have I done? Will God still search for me? And behind him, he heard a voice say, Judas. And when he turned, he was looking into the eyes of Jesus. And Judas saw the depth of the pain and suffering, the long road which Jesus would walk down, and how he had put him there, and how his road was full of pain and anguish too. And Judas saw the tears forming in his teacher's eyes. And Jesus reached out then, and Judas offered him a kiss. It was loud enough for the temple guards to turn, and Jesus announced, here I am. Well, the temple guards looked, and Jesus is already there, standing beside Judas. As if Jesus, even on the very night that he would be taken into the darkness to be whipped and tried and sentenced to death, that even then, Jesus was already searching for and finding the one who had betrayed, the one who was lost. Jesus had found him. To God be the glory, time without end. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Covenant Presbyterian Church podcast. I invite you to visit our website, covpresatl.org. That's C-O-V-P-R-E-S-A-T-L.org. There you'll find current worship information, links to our live Sunday morning streaming service, and our full archive of recorded services. You'll also find out more about us and how to get in touch. I wish you well in these strange times. God is with us. Grace and peace to you.